0: Welcome to the Connect Church podcast. Our mission at Connect Church is to help people find and follow Jesus. For more information on who we are and how we're doing just that, visit myconnectchurch.cc.
1: Now, let's jump into this week's message from Pastor Blaine.
0: John chapter 10. Uh, Doors are a very well-represented biblical image. We find we find the uh, the symbol or the idea of doors in many many places. In fact, there's about 273 times the Bible uses doors uh, in imagery of some sort. It it tends to be a, a fairly big symbol in in Scripture, uh, but probably the most significant time that it is used is in John chapter 10, and I'm going to begin reading in verse seven. So this is when Jesus refers to himself as the door. He calls himself the door of the sheep or the sheep's door. So he is the door, we are the sheep. He opens and closes for us depending upon the circumstance or situation. So John chapter 10, I'm going we'll begin reading verse 7. Here we go. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Now, when you get to the end of a passage like this, you have to go back to the beginning. And again, context is... Is very, very important anytime you're trying to interpret or discern Scripture. And so the very beginning of verse 7, we have to ask, why is the so, so? Why does it exist? Why is it there? And and at the end of that statement, he says says to them again, Jesus again said to them. So let's go back to verse 6. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So verse 6 gives us a clue that Jesus is speaking with a figure of speech. And for whatever reason, it seems pretty simple to us as we read this, but to those that were listening, we have to go back to the context. The context is Jesus is speaking to Pharisees who do not understand that he is the light of the world. And so, let's go back to verse 1 and just cut through all of it. So here's the first telling. We've already read the second one. The second one I read first because it is a clarification of everything he has said so far. So let's fill in the gaps. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and a robber. So immediately, we begin to see here, he explains again what he's already said in verses 7 through 10. So he's showing to us a contrast between the thieves and himself. Remember, he's speaking to the Pharisees who believe themselves to be the guides, to be the leader of God's chosen people. They think they are the light of the world, and Jesus is contrasting and, quite honestly, revealing the nature of their hearts. Compared to his. So Jesus is not just like any other shepherd. He's not like those who pretend to be shepherds or caregivers of God's people. They are thieves and they are robbers and they are coming in to destroy. Now, of course, the Pharisees do not identify as thieves or robbers. They see Jesus as somebody who's trying to destroy their reputation. But thieves and robbers and strangers. Aren't necessarily false teachers only. They are anything or anyone who offers care to the sheep. Their offer sounds as good as the shepherd, maybe even sometimes better, but they are liars. They are pretenders. And anybody who does not come through the door into the sheepfold is an abuser and not to be trusted verse 2 but he who enters by the door now now we know that means through jesus is the shepherd of the sheep so jesus he says here he is the door he's also the shepherd and all who come through jesus and model his care model his heart love his sheep are also shepherds under his authority and represent him not themselves very important. Jesus is not only referring to himself here as the shepherd, but anyone who goes through the sheep to offer care for his glory are also shepherds. But he is the shepherd, and everyone other is an under-shepherd under his authority and care. Verse 3. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his sheep his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. So very quickly, it's very clear here, the sheep do not follow strange shepherds or pretenders, or liars. If a sheep follows a stranger, and we gotta understand that there's two things going on here, the perspective of the sheep and the perspective of the shepherd. If a sheep follows a stranger, it is because they are not following or do not know the voice or the promises of the shepherd. They have a better solution. They're following a better offer. They follow their stomachs. They're following their eyes. They're following their desires. But when they encounter the lies of the stranger, and I hope that you can see the symbolism here, when they finally reveal that the stranger, the liar, the thief, the robber, is set against them,
1: oftentimes they'll blame the shepherd. Much of this has to do with the quality of the sheep.
0: Their discernment, their desires, their trust, their ability to understand and to hear. I guess the truth is this passage helps identify true sheep. True sheep. Sheep who understand the shepherd, who love the shepherd, who hear the shepherd, who trust the shepherd as much as it has to do with the door they use. So in these verses, Jesus is trying to emphasize the fact that there is a relationship Between the sheep and their shepherd. And that's one of the hallmarks of a good shepherd and the under shepherd is that they are there only to help care for the sheep. And the sheep know them and they hear their voice and they recognize the voice of the shepherd. And so there is a relationship between the two sides the sheep and the shepherd. The sheep willingly follows the shepherd, he leads them out, gives them good food and good care. Then there is contentment and there is peace in the flock when they follow the shepherd because the shepherd provides, and when the sheep trust the shepherd with everything. Jesus has just talked about following his as the light of the world, following, and now he is the shepherd of the sheep, the door of the sheep. So it's important for sheep to know the voice of the shepherd because sheep are pretty dumb and they have really short memories. And there are thieves and there are robbers and there are strangers. And there are people who want things from the sheep or something from the sheep or the sheep themselves. Or perhaps they want to hurt the shepherd. Thieves and robbers and strangers do not have to look like wolves to be dangerous. Sheep are easily susceptible to the threat of thieves and robbers and strangers. Sometimes sheep even long for lies. Sometimes liars don't come in guns ablazing, revealing themselves. They come with soft words, gentle words, desired promises. And before long, the sheep who think that they're following a shepherd finds themselves in another pen. And so Jesus here is speaking of a a sheepfold. We may call it a pen. That's what I'm going to call it because that's what I grew up calling it. You may call it a uh, a corral or something like that. It's the same idea. And in Judea, they made these these walls of stone out in the middle of pastures, and uh, the wall would go all the way around and would have a beginning and an end with a gap in the middle. And most of the time, because of the nature of the climate and all of those sorts of things, there weren't gates necessarily on all of the sheep folds. And so when the shepherd would uh, the sheep would follow the shepherd into the pen. It would be his job to stand or to sit, and sometimes, if it were all night, to lie as the door to the sheepfold to protect them, to keep them safe. So he would lie there and protect them. And he became the door of the sheep. And so Jesus is the door of the sheep pen. And if you're going to trust people walking around in the sheep pen as a sheep, you need to know that they came through the door because only those who came through the door are authorized. Now, that's really important because there are some people who will come over the wall. Don't trust people coming over the wall is what Jesus is saying. Those who feed, protect, and care for the Christians came through Jesus to do so. Everyone who offers truths to the sheep cannot be trusted. Everyone who offers care and provision and protect sometimes, sometimes the offer seems really good. And sometimes if you're not listening to the voice of Jesus, you'll fall prey to the lies of the thieves. So as a sheep, you must be discerning enough not to follow them, to discern his voice
1: from their voice. A lot of Christians living outside of the pen, living outside
0: of the protection, living outside of the boundaries. They're not living outside of God's sight or God's care, but outside of his promise. So Jesus said, I am the door, what? Not just I'm the door, I am the door to the sheep. We wouldn't say, and when, you go by, when you go by my house, you wouldn't say, oh, that's... That's the door to the Rogers. You'd say that's the door to the Rogers house, right? To the house. But here Jesus doesn't have the the full scope on the pen. The scope is on, not the scope. That sounds kind of dangerous. The point of view is on the sheep, not the pen. So through Jesus is protection, provision, care, healing, peace, and rest for sheep who are willing to follow. So I'm going to make a couple of implications here, and then we'll we'll go. Here are some roles that I believe that Jesus plays for us as as sheep within His uh, sheepfold. It's probably the simplest and most obvious role that a door provides access. So a door provides access. Jesus provides access to something other than what the sheep have just been exposed to. So an individual enters a space by an open door. Not only does he enter the space, but he's able to have access to everything that's on the other side of the open door. What Jesus is talking about, now take your eyes off of the here and now with the sheepfold and the pasture and the grass and all of that remoteness and desolation and put your, put your mind on Jesus, the access that Jesus gives us to the Father, into the kingdom, all of the things, the door to the kingdom Jesus uh, gives us access to. So not only does it just get access into the room, but everything behind the door as joint heirs with Jesus. Jesus is our access to the kingdom of God. and I'm going to kind of speak about that just a little bit more in just a moment. He gives us access to the most important, most sensitive places in the whole universe. Jesus gives us access to the very presence of the Father himself. Jesus is the access to the Father. And Jesus is very clear here too when he says
1: that he is the door, not a door. There's only one door. No other
0: access point. Turn over to Acts chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. I'm going to ramp up here just a little bit. And we're trying to remember who Jesus is speaking to here too. He's, He's speaking to people who pretend or think they have a relationship with the Father and they are outside of His care. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and the elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you, to the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man standing before you you well." This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. I want to clarify that because we live in a very post-Christian culture, a very even post-modern culture. And we live in this, this day and age of tolerance and acceptance and uniformity. And it's almost like this idea of the exclusivity of Jesus has become such a negative thing. Jesus, you know, like Jesus being the door to the Father is like this very rigid, very rigid way. And modern Christians are trying their best to expand, like fit everybody in. So I want us just to hear what Jesus said, and I want us to even hear what. Peter said, and I want to just clarify something that I know that we already believe, but I think it's important for it to know why. There is no other way to salvation than Jesus Christ. All faiths are not equal. They do not end up in the same place. They do not have all all have the same basis for just love people, be kind, be good. Jesus sets himself Unapologetically, by the way, he sets himself aside from every other way. When he says there is one door, one access point to the Father, and if you don't
1: go through Jesus, there is no access to the Father. He is the only portal into
0: the kingdom of God. And once you go through Jesus, it it is like there's a completely different way of living, a different community, different citizenship. Jesus is the source, only source of a relationship to the Father. And Jesus is also the giver of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is the one that we have this this bridge with. If you want to ever have a relationship, an eternal relationship with the Father, you must go through Jesus Christ. He's the pivot point. And when you say yes to Jesus, now he gives us the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us. Even when we pray, we pray in the Spirit. And we pray through the Son. You get that? Through. Why is it through the Son? Because He's the door that you walk through to get access to everything on the other side of the door. And we pray to the Father. And this is how the Godhead works. And if, if there were anything, I'm just going to really simplify this for a moment. I think too often we use the word God. We use that word very, very often. And we say, well, Jesus you know, Jesus was a, a son of God, true statement. But when we think of the father, we often say God, like Jesus is something else. There's God, there's Jesus, and there's the Holy Spirit. But all three of these working in union together is God. This is God. Within the Godhood, you, Godhead, you have the father, the son, and the spirit. We want access to the father because everything belongs to him including eternity, and that's where our salvation originates. So if we're ever going to have a relationship with the Father, we must go through the Son, so says the Son. So Jesus is the giver of the Holy Spirit, and now I actually can approach Jesus who approaches the Father in my stead. As long as you are hearing, as long as you are obeying, as long as you are following Jesus as your shepherd and you are following under his care, you will be safe, you will be provided for, you will be cared for. But if you claim that he is your shepherd, but you're following another, you are not within his care. You are not within his, uh, within his arms, the sheepfold. Somebody else is who you've entrusted. And the thing that's different, and there are lots of things different, but that as a sheep, we have multiple types of needs. But Jesus offers us physical help, emotional help. Look throughout Scripture, and you will see all of these promises, and certainly spiritual help. Jesus isn't, I'm just not in a relationship with Jesus for spiritual help. Jesus helps us in every arena of life. There is no other offer out there for that. There are other shepherds you can follow. You can follow shepherds that offer money. You can follow shepherds that offer comfort. You can follow shepherds that offer everything that your stomach is growling for. And they may appeal to your flesh, but they're temporary. And they may appeal to your mind, but they are temporary. Some even want to appeal to your spirit, but they are temporary and they all lead to death. On the other hand, if you will follow Jesus as your shepherd, you will find complete satisfaction. He is the pivot point. Now, some say, I know this because I've wrestled with this myself. Well, pastor, that's not completely true because I'm a Christian and Jesus has let me down and he's not been there for me plenty. I've cried out. I've been through lots and lots of trouble after walking through the door of Jesus. And I would say that very well may be true. I know a lot of Christians who have found themselves in a lot of trouble after they became a Christian. So what is the answer? Does that reflect on the nature of the door? Or does that reflect on the nature of the sheep? You're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. You're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble as a Christian when you claim to be in one pen, but you find yourself in another. We must be very, very careful what voices we listen to. This is not a hymn problem. This is a heart or an ear problem. Now, I don't say that to rebuke. I say that just to be very, very clear. If you claim Christ, but you walk behind
1: another shepherd, that's not the shepherd's fault.
0: So Jesus, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. He is the pivot point. One of my favorite passages, and I want you to listen. I want to, I'm going to read it quickly, but I want you to listen slowly, okay? My little children, this is in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. I am writing these things to you So that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him, whoever says that they find their dwelling place within the sheepfold of the shepherd, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. You remember in John, in John, back over to John chapter 10, Jesus mentioned these two things, or three really, but thieves and robbers and strangers. And thieves and robbers are not the same thing. And so when it comes to being sheep walking behind the shepherd, when it comes to like walking through the door and being in the protection of the shepherd, there are always going to be thieves and robbers. And don't you think that we as the sheep ought to be able to clearly identify thieves and robbers? I think that that's kind of the point that Jesus is trying to make. So thieves and robbers are two different kinds of animals. Thieves are those who take by cunning. And the, the way this word is, is uh, stealthily. You know, they might, uh, they, might, they might catch you not home and go into your home. They might be some kind of con artist that tricks you into something and you don't even know you're being taken while they take it. They're stealth and they're slick, and they're smooth. They're the ones who slip over the wall, and you don't see them in the dark. You may even think that they, they have permission to be there, and they speak flattering words to you. They sound like the words of Jesus, but they are there to take by deception. They're the ones that you don't see or recognize for what they are. On the other hand, there are robbers, and robbers will hit you over the head with a ball bat in the alley. They will catch you when you least expect it, and they will do violence upon you. And believe me, when they take your purse off your shoulder, you know it. They're robbers. They push you down. They're the ones who break down your door, and they come in, they put you under a gun, and some of their buddies are going to take your things. They're open, violent stealers. So thieves take things from by cunning. Robbers are open and violent. Now we're not talking about physical thieves, maybe, uh, and robbers, but we're talking about false shepherds, false ministers, false prophets, false teachers. And they're both kinds. They're the smooth, oily kind that seems so good on the outside with that fake, paid-for smile and calm and they bring peace and their words are smooth, unlike mine today. They have this eloquency about them, just this attraction, magnetic charm and charisma. And just because they said so, we want to believe what they say so much. And we write checks and we make trips and we do all sorts of things to follow after this this smooth charlatan. And then there's the ones that are very brash in what they do. Sometimes they will write books and they will reframe scripture and they'll tell you the things that you've always believed are true. And all of these are are bigots and chauvinists and all. and, And sometimes they're legalists telling people they need to do things this way, this only this way is how you'll get salvation other than Jesus. Jesus and these things. And they're mean and they're brazen. And because of that spirit, nobody could be like that if they're not right. And so people follow these really strong leaders because they're afraid of them, and they're robbers, and they're thieves. Not only that, there's a lot of things that are not even Christian, not even pretending to be spiritual out there that we fall prey to. The you have, uh, you know, the the right or God wants you to be happy. Does that sound good? That sounds great, doesn't it? Not. God wants you to be happy. If I were to stand up here and say, God wants you to be happy, you'd go, Yes, make my dreams come true. Oh, that God exists to make your dreams come true. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to smile. You could have everything you want if you'll put your trust in Jesus. I remember uh, I've shared a story years ago uh, being in the Ivory Coast and, and speaking in a village and you know, a lot of these villages have never heard the gospel even once. And so you never, I, I, I never really knew. And and this one, I remember uh, this guy in the back, and, you know, don't think about it like a church service, uh, but uh, he's back in the back. And right in the middle, he's interu- he interrupts and he's just like, call it all off. <laughs> okay, I mean, don't get any ideas, folks. Uh but I said, well, I don't understand what the interruption is about. And I kind of find out somebody had swept through that village before and told them that if they put their trust in Jesus, they wouldn't have to live like that anymore. Here's all the things that Jesus is going to give you. Jesus is going, you're not going to be poor anymore. You're, you're going to have vegetation. You're going to be able to have money in your pocket. You just got to put your trust in Jesus. And so guess what the village did? They fell in love with Jesus, and Jesus is going to be our our Savior. And when this health and wealth, prosperity gospel left town, nothing ever really changed in their life. Because it wasn't about salvation. It was about their felt needs, right? And now here the gospel is in their village. And here's what the man said. Jesus already came to this village. He doesn't love us. It sounded good when they heard it. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to not have any trouble in your life? Yeah, sign me up for that one. It's a thief. It sounds great, but it's a thief. Are you saying God doesn't want me to be happy? Well, I'm telling you that there is a stopgap between happy and holy. God wants you to be holy. He is, we are to be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus. After holiness is happiness. Most people think happiness, then holiness. But it's exactly the opposite. And it's a subtle, subtle shift.
1: But it's between life and death. It's a thief. It's a robber. There are both kinds. I will, that's
0: about all I want to say about that. I could go on and on because I feel like that that is the state of the church. It's trying to help sheep understand the difference between what are the expectations of the shepherd, what must I do, and battling, batting, batting off all of the thieves and robbers incessantly. So, a lot of people claim to be, to represent Jesus, but they're false. Jesus even says, everyone who came before me was a thief or a robber. There are many people who claim to be sent of God to give us truths, those who came through Jesus, those who listen to Jesus, therefore they act like Jesus, these are the ones we trust. People who point the glory to God, not the glory upon themselves. If if so my, one of my rules is at the end of the thing, who gets the glory? Who gets the glory? Sometimes it's really hard to tell. And I'm telling you that if we are sensitive to God and we have come through the door, his spirit bears witness within us to that spirit. And we can learn to listen so that we can hear clues about who someone is truly representing. And if Jesus is protecting me and he only allows into the pen what is good, then if something is in the pen that isn't good, it's up to the sheep to discern it. Is it there by the permission of Jesus? Does it sound like Him? Does it act like Him? If not, just because it's there does not mean it can be trusted.
1: So when you're threatened, even if you're in the security of the arms of God, when you feel threatened, all you got to do
0: is let the shepherd know. The shepherd will protect. That doesn't mean that life will be perfect inside the sheep pen. It means that you will always be able to rest knowing that whatever came over will be cast out if you simply call. Whatever came through with his blessing, you will get through if you trust him. Sometimes he allows things through, but it's so the sheep can learn to trust him. The things that get in make us like him. Let me explain. You remember all of Paul's troubles. This is in 2 Corinthians when Paul goes through this litany of things, shipwrecked, beaten, uh, left for dead, over and over and over. We have the stripes on his back uh, five times. And and over and over and over we see this. But the sheep will be, and often uh, Paul reminds the reader that God always watched out for him. It was always for God's glory and God protected him. Because he starts in chapter 1 of of 2 Corinthians that, quite honestly, he should be dead. Through all the things that he went through, he should be dead. But God protected him. Now, here's one of the things that I want you to remember. And and maybe even write it down because when you go through difficulty, you're going to want to remember this. God will always save you from... I mean, uh, not from problems, but through problems. God protects us through, not necessarily from. So thieves and robbers are going to be there. Strangers, they cannot be trusted. But the sheep will be cared for in the pen. But when you wonder, you just open yourself up to every other thing. And by the way, when you wonder, just remember, Satan is also wondering. And out there, some things sound like Jesus. They look like Jesus. They mimic Jesus' actions, but they are designed to destroy you and to take your eyes off of Jesus. But through Jesus, he is our only protector. Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful, and he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. So not only does God, if you, if you are following him, if you are through the door and listening to his voice, not only will he save you from stuff, he will also save you from Satan. I want you to look at a fairly obscure passage in Ezekiel chapter 34. I'm going to begin reading in verse 1. And I want you to listen to this as he describes the shepherd. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the fat ones, you do not feed the sheep. The weak you've not strengthened, the sick you've not healed, the injured you've not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought with the force of harshness you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd and they became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. You'll notice they're beginning in all the way through verse 4, all the things that they did not do. They're the very things that define the nature of a shepherd. They did not strengthen the weak, heal the sick, bind up the broken, bring back what was driven away, to seek out the lost. These are the things that a shepherd does. And when you find the nature of a shepherd, but it doesn't include these things, they're thieves, they're robbers, they're strangers. And though their words sound eloquent, they are not to be trusted. These are the things that shepherds are supposed to do. It's on their resume. Look at Ezekiel 34, 22. I will rescue my flock. They shall no longer be prey. I will judge between the sheep and the sheep. So when we are going through the door of Jesus and we learn to listen to his voice alone, he will, no matter the circumstance of our life, he will protect us. And he will save us from stuff that happens. He will save us from Satan's devices. And he will save us and give us an ear to recognize substitute shepherds. If you go through the New Testament, you will see not every book, but every writer of the New Testament warns against false teachers. Every one of them. The where?
1: The wolves are out there. And nobody follows a wolf. If you follow a wolf, it's because you think he's a shepherd. There's only one door. There is behind Christ and not behind Christ. So here Jesus is teaching us not to believe just everything. And
0: by the way, you don't get to heaven, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be very general here, but you don't get to the Father because your parents were Christians. You don't get to the Father because you grew up in church. You don't get to heaven because you raised your hand at a church camp. You don't get to heaven because your grandfather planted a church at some point. You get to heaven because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ.
1: It's the only way. And all faiths do not lead to the same place. We talked about that.
0: Jesus, though, provides himself as a separator. That's what a door does. If a door doesn't open and close, then it's just part of the wall, right? But Jesus is a separator, and we must live with him behind that that door. And I'm not talking about Christianity should be a cult, but I am saying there are some distinctives about what it should look like when you're following the care of the shepherd. We should look differently and behave differently and act differently. And others have claimed the name, the shepherd's name. Others claim to be through Jesus. In fact, it's very, and it's true, it's true, but I hear it more than I've ever heard it in my life that even Muslims call Jesus a great prophet. It's true. And so we want to say, all right, well, Muslims can't be that bad because they recognize Jesus. So this is one of the enemy's way of just subtly making us a little, a little open, right? Just a little, a little more open to... And I hear a lot of Christians say, well, I've read through the Quran. It makes us experts on it, right? And there's a lot of compatibility. There's a lot of similarity. Listen, I, so people who say that, I just don't even think they're sheep. They've never heard the voice of Jesus. There couldn't be a more stark difference when you hear somebody say Jesus is a great prophet, but
1: Muhammad is Allah's greatest prophet. Who, I mean, some claim,
0: well, Judaism has the same God as Christians. They just understand him differently.
1: Jesus, Jesus told the Jews they were lost, that they've never known his father.
0: Or sometimes we even say like Buddhists and Hindus. Oh, these are, you know, they add Jesus. You know, they understand Jesus is God and add him to the three million other gods they have. Now, when you look at that as a very surface level, you see this, oh well, Muslims believe in Jesus. Jews believe Jesus existed. They, you know, their father, they should cut out the middle man. Even some Christian groups claim the name of Jesus. I won't line some of those out. But we need to be careful. It's not, it's not as simple as identifying. It's, here's the litmus test. Are they, are, did they go through Jesus Christ to get there
1: as the only means of salvation? Even Christians who say they live the morality of Jesus
0: I think of, we, we talk about, and I, I mean, it just is what it is. It doesn't take much research to see this. We look at, and there were many, many founders of our great country that were born again believers, no doubt about it. But sometimes there have always been Christians who have went through the scriptures with scissors and they've cut out the parts they don't agree with. Many, even theologians who cut out the parts they don't agree with who still claim the name of
1: Jesus. Liars, thieves, robbers, strangers. One of the
0: points of Jesus' statement to these Israelites 2,000 years ago was to establish the fact that he's not the first one who came to speak. And he won't be the last one who came. History even tells us there were many, many people who claimed to be the Messiah. But he, the door, the unique one, the separator, there is a division and a distinction between his sheep and everyone else. There, there are what no one else is and they have
1: no what no one else has. They look, they act, they respond like Jesus. When we go out and do prayer walks, and I, I would encourage,
0: you to be a part of those. They're not nearly as scary as they seem. Um, but when you just go door to door, walk down the street, and just praying for neighbors, uh, one of the things that I always look for is, you know, are there hula hoops in the front yard? Is there a trampoline? Is there water tools? I mean, is there, what kind of bumper sticker is on the car? You kind of get, you know, and it seems a little stalkerish now that I'm hearing it out loud. Uh, but you look around so you can kind of give yourself a little bit of a head start on what am I about to pray over. But one of the things I always look for, maybe this is a little silly, but I always look for something around there that says welcome, right? I mean, if they got a board that says welcome or a sign that says welcome or a floor mat that says welcome, uh, it's a lot easier to walk up there and knock on the door when you know there's something that said welcome, right? It kind of disarms me entirely. Uh, And I think about that when I think about Jesus. A door, when it's open, is a sign of fellowship, and uh, Christ is the open door, and he provides fellowship, not only fellowship with him, but because he gives us the spirit, there, there is created within us a connectivity with each other. And not just in this room, but all born-again Christians have this connectivity with each other, where we are in fellowship with one another. Listen to First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. You were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The fellowship which belongs to the Son as the shepherd of the fellowship. What is the fellowship which belongs to the Son? The sheepfold, the church, we have relationships with one another when we come through the door of Jesus Christ. First John chapter one verses one through four. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which you have seen with our eyes, we have looked upon, have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testified to it, and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you that you may have the fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship was with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So because Jesus has opened access to if any or all, then the door of fellowship has been opened to Christ the Father. And from the fellowship with the Spirit, it creates this 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 oneness, this one another with all of those who claim Christ. Think about spiritual gifts. you know we are the representation of Jesus Christ on earth right We are his body but we are only his body is if we recognize we are many parts but one body and it's coming through the door of Jesus Christ that has made us a part of his flock. What happens is is when we find other entry points or ways in, Uh, that's where the division and and, uh, disputes begin to get created. You think about the things that you have heard. There are very few disputes throughout the course of history that revolves around the church arguing about who Jesus is. There are some, but there are very few. What we argue about is how hot it was or how cold it was or how soft the seats were or or I liked this or I didn't like that. That's where Christians begin to argue. Not, Not the shepherd.
1: We argue about everything else, but anyway, let's, uh, let's go, okay? Uh, so lastly, almost done. Uh,
0: if it doesn't have hinges, it's not a door, right? So doors open and doors close, and I want to close with this. Oh, that was, that was clever. I just now heard that too. Uh, but Jesus has hinges, he allows us to go in. He allows us to go out with him as he provides for us and leads us back in. So the shepherd takes us out for pasture for a time and then brings us back in. Uh, and I believe that, that this is a symbol of our daily life, our daily walk with our shepherd, the going in and the coming out, following him. We can go safely and securely about our daily activities because we know just like we are following his light, we are following him as our shepherd. But whether we go in or whether we go out, we are following him. We don't go out separate from him. We go out under his leadership. So by following Christ's lead, we find pasture was a symbol of not just food to graze on, but all of the good spiritual things that he has for us. What does food provide for us? Health, right? So following him out and following him in gives us health as Christians. and We become more and more like Jesus. So two last passages that I want us to look at. I'm going to read both of them. First Peter chapter 2 verse 21 through 23. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Now keep that in mind when we turn over to first John chapter 2 and I'm going to begin reading in verse 5, but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So I want you to see what these two apostles linked following the example two. Peter in the first one linked following Jesus to suffering. He said, follow Christ's example in bad times, in the conflicts of this world. And John linked walking with him with keeping his word. And I think these two apostles and these two epistles are the two ways that when which we come in and out through the door of Jesus Christ. When we come in, we are ruminating on the word of God and we are being restored and we are being rested. And we are being refreshed in the word of God according to John. And when we go out, we are ready to suffer the things in this world. The suffering that Peter brought out, suffering patiently, is how we follow him when we're outside because that's what's going to happen if you look like Jesus in the world. There's going to be suffering. Not your best life now, "'Difficulty, because difficulty is what conforms us "'to the life of Jesus. "'And if we grumble and complain about every little thing, "'we are not being conformed to the image of His Son. "'If we are upset and we are always making things "'that aren't things, "'we are not being conformed to the image of Jesus.'" We just kind of, how did Jesus deal with it? Just kind of take it. We take it with the same way that Jesus took it. He did not revile. He took it patiently. He did not use lies or guile to get out of it. He did not try to revile in return. Any of those other things. He endured patiently while he was in the world doing the work that the father gave him to do. So we can follow him everywhere and anywhere we go by the strength and help that he as the door continually provides for us in John chapter 10 that just a couple verses down from where we ended i have come that they may have life and that they have may may and have it more abundantly so by him the door of the sheep no matter what the conditions are around us we can know that if there's difficulty around us we depend upon the shepherd if there are storms of life, if there are fears, if there are liars, if there are thieves, if there are robbers, if there are strangers, whatever it may be, as long as we are within the care of the shepherd, we know that he will take care of us. He will, he will take care of us through them, not necessarily keep us from them, because it's the through them that helps us look more and more like him as we suffer in this world. So today, it's very, very easy, very, very clear. Jesus is the only protection we have. But the good news is, is if we have him, he is the only protection we need. He is entrance into the very portal of God's kingdom itself. Let's pray together. Lord, I pray that, and I think of the Pharisees who misunderstood this entirely. And they called themselves your people. I pray that your people today will not misunderstand. I pray that we will understand. As simple as it is, and as much as we've heard it, you are the only way. And I ask, Lord, that as we just maybe recommit ourselves to following after you, as we, as we come in, and we're in right now, we're in a very safe place, I pray but that we're always listening not to the under-shepherd's voice, listening to the voice of Jesus, to be able to differentiate between the voice of this world and the voice of Jesus. I pray, Lord, you just give us ears to hear. Give us hearts that bear witness, spirits that bear witness to your presence. I ask that you would help us to understand that, that, that whether we're in or whether we're out, we are following behind you, just like we would the light of the world, just like as we did in the Old Testament. As they were able to visibly see where you would lead them, Lord, may we be as may it be as obvious as that for us. And Lord, for those of us who are here today that are following following some pseudo Christianity, some some version that's slick and oily and gives us everything we want, Lord, I pray that you would give us eyes to recognize it, give us ears to to hear, give us spirits that are sensitive to know what is your spirit to know which pins belong to you. And may we be in that relationship where we know your voice and you know your sheep. And Lord, as we come in, as help us understand that we are each under shepherds as we come through the door to help each other find and follow you, to provide care and nourishment to one another. To look out for one another, to ward off thieves and robbers and strangers. Help us to be for one another. Help us to build into one another. Help us to support one another. Lord, we love you we thank you for your word today. Thank you for, pray for anything to say it, Lord, that it would bring glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray please I want us just to spend a moment Chris I want if you would just sing and I want us if you would just keep your head bowed and your eyes closed and I want us just to pray and I want us just to remind ourselves in a world of pluralism and humanism and paganism I just in a, in a world that champions tolerance and acceptance and diversity and I'm not I'm not for not any I, I love those things as long as we're following the shepherd I want us just to pray and remind ourselves of who we belong to and what, are, what is our life looking like are we, are we looking more and more is it easier to understand more and more what the shepherd wants If not, it's not a shepherd problem. It's a sheep. It's a sheep problem. So Lord, today we recognize that we are sheep. We recognize that you are the good shepherd. We recognize that you are the door by which we gain entrance. You are our protector. You are our provider. You are our identity. And so whether we come in or whether we go out, Lord, I pray that we go with you and that the relationship that we have with you, we have with one another. We become an extension of your kingdom, not only in this church, but we become an extension extension of your kingdom everywhere we go. And so today we just lift up the name of Jesus for there is no other name given among men by which we must be saved. In Jesus' name we pray, because by in Jesus' name we have access. Amen. If you need help finding or taking your next step, send us a message at hello at
1: myconnectchurch.cc.